This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, Bill C-11, the online streaming act, uh, previously existed as Bill C-10. It's been a very messy and complicated route to this point. But the idea being here, the federal government wants to modernize the Broadcasting Act and make it apply in the digital world, which is a lot easier said than done. Uh, So the idea was that this would regulate platforms like Netflix, Spotify, YouTube, Disney+, etc., in much the same way that broadcasters are regulated in terms of contributing to Canadian content, minimum standards for Canadian content, etc. The problem the government has run into is how broad this all is. And despite assurances that this wouldn't include user-generated content, it's pretty clear that this will. Because, of course, those platforms are all regulated. Essentially, anyone putting content online falls under this. Now, there's a requirement uh, the companies with uh, annual revenues over $10 million uh, register with the CRTC. And I believe the deadline is this month. And the Heritage Minister wants to see things move quite quickly here. Uh, Pascal Saint-Ange says there is no time for delay in enacting the Online Streaming Act. So what does that mean in practice? Well, joining us uh, for some thoughts is someone who's been uh, following all of this very closely. Uh, Michael Geist is uh, Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa, where he's a professor of law. Michael Geist, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Just a little detour here, Michael. On a serious issue, we were speaking earlier with uh, B'nai B'rith Canada about some of the really ugly anti-Semitism we've seen manifesting. And one of the names that came up in the conversation was uh, Laitha Marouf, who at one point had actually been contracted by the government to do, um, you know, anti-racism training. And uh, turns out he's a pretty virulent anti-Semite himself. He's been kicked off of, of X or Twitter, but not before he was uh, posting some awful stuff and, and targeting a number of individuals, yourself included. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on you know, what has it been like encountering this, this kind of stuff and, and your reaction to his uh, suspension from the platform. Right. Well, no, thanks for raising that. And listen, it's been a, it's been a difficult month more generally speaking in Canada with uh, yeah. with what we've seen, just an enormous amount of anti-Semitism and then deeply, deeply troubling to see that happen. And I think it's clear that words alone are not going to address these issues. With respect to Maroof, you're right, I, I was a target. And he's had one account suspended. There may be other accounts that are still active. Um, but I think that there are you know ongoing questions surrounding that individual in particular, because as as you know, he did receive government funding, incredibly enough, as part of an anti-hate program. Yeah. Has not returned. None of that money has been recovered. In fact, he mocks those. It would suggest that they might even get the money back. Uh, no one's been held accountable. And and from from my end, even you know, harder to explain is that the heritage minister at the time, Pablo Rodriguez, remained silent. And we now know, based on a reporting from the Globe and Mail, that he lied to committee about what he knew and when he knew it. And I must admit, I just find it uh, just inexplicable that someone, A, couldn't speak out on on this kind of individual, especially when the government itself 
funded it and then saw fit not even to tell the truth about what he knew and when he knew it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's deeply troubling. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let's talk about the current heritage minister, Pascal Saint-Ange, uh, has inherited, I, I guess, some of these um, messes, maybe uh, we could call it, but, um, you know, C-11 has passed uh, the Online Streaming Act. So where are we at in this process, first of all? Yeah, you're right. And I think the way you described it off the top is messy and complicated is a good one. Uh, it, it has now passed, and the, the last real step for the government was to provide a policy direction where it provides some guidance to, to the CRTC, which is charged with implementing the legislation and, and filling in many of the blanks. And there are many, many blanks that the government really kind of left it to the regulator to address. We'll get the first batch of those have either either been decided or will be part of a, of a hearing that is going to run for several weeks starting next week. But even after that, we're looking at many, many additional consultations. I think the CRTC identified as many as nine would be required to deal with this issue. So when St. Anne says she wants to think, see things move quickly, uh, there simply is no way to speed up the, the myriad of consultations that are required. And it really lies with the government that, that didn't fill in many of those blanks and left it to the CRTC to figure out. So I don't see how they can complain now that it's going to take a long time to actually figure out all the details that they, they kind of left for someone else to do. Right, and especially, too, I mean, you know, the government's enlisted uh, the CRTC to try to implement the Online News Act, and, and that that's all up in the air. But the idea that they're going to dump all of this on the CRTC and then expect that things are going to happen quickly, well, it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, I don't think it does. And, you know, I think the CRTC actually has tried to move pretty quickly, even... These three consultations—they started with three consultations. They've already decided two of them, and you made reference to at least one of them in terms of the requirement to register. The next big one, which will involve, I think, deeper questions about uh, potential contributions, about the meaning of discoverability, and the like—that's what's on deck right now. But it, you know, the the fact is, the CRTC moved forward on that before even the final policy direction. And frankly, a lot of people thought that they really needed to wait for the government. So. Pretty clear the CRTC is trying to move quickly, but there's only so fast you can move if you're going to actually engage in real consultation, hear what people have to say, process it, come up with various decisions, and then you've got to launch further consultations to deal with this, which I have to say, all of which was readily apparent throughout the process. You know, there are big promises being made by the government about how this was going to inject new money into film and TV production. But it was always obvious it was going to take at least a couple of years for the regulators to sort all of this out. And so mm-hmm. we're looking at 2025, 2026 before this tangibly really delivers anything. Let's imagine an alternate reality and going all the way back to, to C-10, which is the previous manifestation of this bill, and the government went back to the drawing board. But imagine a situation where they stick to their promise that this is not going to, to affect user-generated content. Like, Could something like this have been passed and, and implemented a long time ago? Absolutely, Robert. I mean, you make, you make a really important point. This legislation, its predecessor, you mentioned it used to be called C-10, it was well on its way to being passed. It was in what was known as the clause-by-clause clause review in the House of Commons, which means they had completed their hearings, the committee studying that bill, and now they were just going through the fine print, going through the various legislative pieces. It was This was back in April of 2021. It was clearly going to pass within just like a matter of weeks, and they would have rushed it through the Senate such that it could have been law 
more than two years ago, and yet it was the government that made the decision to remove the exception on user content. And, and that has played out, and that decision has played out now for years, because it ultimately meant that bill didn't pass. It meant the current bill, C-11, did pass, but took a very long time, because it was, there was, I think, a lot of public concern about what they're doing. And while the government you know, continuously assured that the users were out, I think the policy direction effectively confirms that that simply wasn't the case. The fact that they needed a policy direction to seek to address this question of the inclusion of user content or podcasts, you know, I think confirms the fact that it was in, it is in the legislation. And it's only by way of this policy direction that the CRTC may back off from, from regulating at least aspects of it. It's also the concern. I mean, we were seeing it with C18 where, you know, Facebook has basically said, you know, we're done. Meta, in terms of uh, providing news to Canadians on a platform, Google might follow suit. I wonder if we're, we're you know, heading to something similar on, on the uh, Online Streaming Act. And, and maybe companies like Netflix can figure out how to live with this. But are we potentially seeing the exit from the Canadian market of, of other platforms? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And, and you know, I think it's still... Early days, I think that it is because we we just don't know what all of those obligations are. We know there are some groups that that have, have have see a huge pot of gold at the end of this Bill C eleven rainbow. They're talking about literally a billion dollars of new money a year. I, I don't know that that's realistic, but that's what they they say the government promised them. So they they want the CRTC to to hold them to that. Mm-hmm. If that's the kind of outcome, then I think you will see companies engage in either two two possibilities. One. They'll challenge the legislation and they'll argue that it's unconstitutional. And we've already seen, of course, on the Environmental Assessment Act, now on on plastic bags and straws, government plans getting struck down. It's entirely possible this could go that route as well. And, of course, if they say, you know what, we don't even want to go to that expense, I think you're right. We could see certainly some companies that are otherwise caught by the legislation simply make the decision that Canada's not worth the trouble, not worth the expense, and just exit the market and start blocking Canadian subscribers. We'll see where it all goes from here. Your latest, it's up at michaelgeist.ca. Uh, always appreciate the insight, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us here today.